Since when do America's friends spy on and intimidate American students? I'm Bert Cohen, and with your help, we are keeping democracy alive. I'm Bert Cohen, and with your help, we are keeping democracy alive. He's not breathing. Can you get a pulse? Barely. Anyone here old enough to remember Mad Magazine's long-running strip, Spy vs. Spy? It was two rat-like figures, each in sinister-looking, archetypical spy outfits with their pointy hats and pointy noses, one in black and the other in white. This, of course, came out of the McCarthy era of the 1950s with the fear of commies sneaking around with their goal of surprising and destroying the other's system of government. Of course, only enemies spy and try to disrupt the other, right? The Israeli state is a rock-solid traditional friend. They call themselves the only democracy in the Middle East. They wouldn't spy on us now, would they? Why would they? Well, not only are they clandestinely spying on us, but as our guest today, James Bamford, writes in The Nation magazine, Israel is making war on American student activists. Why would they do that? What exactly are they doing? And who is they anyway? Is this like the CIA in the late 60s infiltrating and spying on college kids over the Vietnam War protests? Wasn't that a shocker, an outrage when it was discovered and ended because of nationwide anger at that unwanted intrusion and threat to our civil liberties? Now there are agents of the Israeli state sneaking around American campuses, kind of like Mad Magazine's spy versus spy characters. As the targeted kids might say, WTF, which I can't say on the radio. Our guest today is James Banford, a best-selling author, Emmy-nominated filmmaker, and winner of the National Magazine Award for Reporting. His most recent book is Spy Fail, Foreign Spies, Moles, Saboteurs, and the Collapse of America's Counterintelligence. Well, thanks so much for being with us and keeping democracy alive, James. Oh, my pleasure, Bert. Uh, thanks for having me on your show. Well, when I was in college some 50 years ago, many of us patriotic, concerned American students were outraged at what our government was doing to the people of Vietnam with our high-technology, infinitely well-funded, massive bombing campaign. And we spoke out and protested, as was our right. And back then, our government infiltrated the National Students Association for the purpose of spying and disrupting the protests. A few days ago, CIA spokesperson Dale Peterson said the agency no longer spies on American college students, but he acknowledged the CIA informants took pictures and copied license plate numbers of participants in campus political meetings throughout the 60s and early 70s. Now in 2023, with the retributive, a massive collective punishment the Israeli state is doing against all Palestinians in the Gaza Strip, dropping 2,000-pound bombs on refugee camps, not surprisingly, many students in America are raising their voices in opposition to this new version of carpet bombing, which was so prevalent in 1970s Cambodia, which also flattened whole villages and killed and injured untold numbers. The government of Richard Nixon was often motivated by fear. Apparently, it was afraid of college kids. Again, I'm proud to say I was one of them. I wonder if the Israeli state is doing that same fear-driven, sneaky, and illegal spying now. Though it may be out of sight and done on the down low, 
Yes, it is happening. And again, thanks, James, for being with us. And we're going to talk about your article in The Nation magazine titled, Israel is Making War on American Student Activists. For an example, James, please tell us about the, there was a nondescript-looking truck at Harvard University on October 11th, just a few days after the October 7th uh, massacre. What was that all about? Do we know who sponsored it and which students may have been targeted? Well, it was targeting students that uh, signed a letter basically uh, objecting to Israeli uh, attacks on uh, civilians in Gaza. And what happened was the, this uh, panel truck came up, uh, parked in front of Harvard University in Cambridge, and uh, on its uh, uh, two sides uh, and on its back were uh, LED screens, and on those screens were the pictures of, uh, of many of the students who signed that letter. And beneath their uh, image was their name and uh, the words, uh, Harvard's leading anti-Semites. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, a URL for uh, harvardhatesjews.com. So it was there to smear them and to uh, uh, accuse them of uh, anti-Semitism and and um, charges like that. And then the truck uh, went to uh, the homes, actual homes of some of these people, uh, doxing them, in other words, uh, uh, outing where they live uh, for other people to uh, uh, harass them. Um, and it was sponsored by a right-wing group called Accuracy in Media. Ah, good old Accuracy in Media. <laughs> I love these names. And what was in that letter? You know, the, here they are yelling anti-Semitism about these, these students. But what, what was in that, that letter that they signed? Was it blatantly anti-Semitic or was it just critical of the Israeli policy? What do we know about that letter? No, it was, it was focused on Israeli policy. Obviously, it was uh, focused on the fact that the uh, Israeli uh, uh, government was bombing civilians in, in uh in Gaza, it said uh, today's events did not occur in a, in a vacuum. Uh, for the last two decades, millions of pa Palestinians in Gaza have been forced to live in an open-air prison. Israeli uh, officials promised to open the gates of hell, uh, quote-unquote. Wow. Uh, and the uh, measures in Gaza have already commenced. That was uh, part of what the letter says. That was focused on... Uh, on, on the events in Gaza and the fact that, uh, uh, as of now, it's more than 15,000 um, yeah. civilians, or, or mostly civilians, have been killed in, uh, in Gaza, and uh, between uh, half and, and uh, more than half have been children and women. And I got to tell you, as a Jewish American, I find it deeply, deeply offensive that the Israeli government, which is doing these horrible things, just will scream anti-Semitism at any and all criticisms of their policies. That that builds up anti-Semitism more than anything else because if people associate what, what the Israeli state is doing with all Jews, well, a lot of people are going to get mad. So how, how do the people doing the spying use the term anti-Semitic in their attacks on those students who are critical of Israeli policies? Well, they uh, equate equate uh, anti-Semitism with uh, 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 going after Israel. I mean, it's, it's bizarre. Israel is a country in the United Nations. It's not a religion. 
if you go after Africa, uh, if you go after Russia, you're not going after the Orthodox Church. Um, if you go after somebody in uh, uh, whatever country it is, you're going after them because of the government of the country, not because of the religion the people have. But in this case, they're trying to um, mix the uh, the two, the religion with the country. And that way, uh, they could silence their um, uh, protesters and uh, uh, the people who are against what's going on in Gaza, um, silence them by accusing them of being anti-a religion as opposed to anti-a government. Uh, and it works with a lot of people, and that intimidates uh, the students. And the students oftentimes get very afraid that uh, once they graduate, they're not going to get a job or they're not going to get the job they want because uh, of uh, all the bad publicity due to uh, this uh, doxing campaign and the other spying activities by the pro-Israeli groups. Well, I'll show my age here. Doxing. What does that mean? <laughs> it basically just means that, uh, well, if you just hold up a sign saying um, John Jones... Uh, 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 is an anti-Semite, that's one thing. But if you ha hold up a sign saying uh, John Jones is an anti-Semite and here's his address, oh. or you drive the truck to his address uh, and, and and let everybody know where he lives, then then uh, it, it multiplies a, uh, what they call a force multiplier. Uh -huh. You're not just uh, creating uh, havoc for the person uh, at their school, you're creating havoc for uh, the person at their home, they'll, you know, these people will come out like the truck will go out to their house and demonstrators will go out and embarrass the person in their, in their neighborhood. That's a standard tactic for a lot of these, uh, uh, groups that are going after the, uh, pro-Palestinian activists. Boy, nothing like practicing democracy with this, which, uh, the Israeli state claims that they are the only one. And, of course, there are other people who may live in their homes. I mean, let's face it, students oftentimes can't afford rent in Cambridge particularly, I'm sure. Uh, so, you know, it, and that's, that kind of harassment has got to be very effective and make people scared. And there's nothing like fear to motivate people. Talk about the real effect of the spying operation. You hinted at that on the targeted students relative to their jobs prospects, as well as personal threats. Right, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's horrible to be accused of being anti-Semitic when, in, in essence, what you're doing is something positive. You're trying to prevent the killing of civilians. Um, and uh, so you're taking somebody that's doing something positive and, and turning them into an enormous villain. And so they're, you know, if they walk down the hallways or they're walking in uh, Harvard Square or whatever, and uh, uh, people, you know, gonna, you're afraid of how people are going to look at you because you've been uh, outed as some mm. some kind of a, uh, you know, almost a pedophile or whatever. I mean, an anti-Semite. And all you're trying to do is, is save uh, civilians uh, on you know, civilians who have been uh, uh, basically captive of the Israelis for uh, for more than half a century, uh, blockaded yes. and, and uh, behind walls and uh, their rights taken away from them, and now being bombed and, and starved and uh, deprived of water and deprived of hospitals. And you're going out and protesting this 
And so the people who are, are pro-Israel are coming out and doing whatever they can to, uh, to stop you. And this is, a, this is a, a very effective way to, uh, to stop these protesters. And I'm curious about the university itself. I imagine they're skittish. They always think about funding from their supporters. How, how have they dealt with this? Do you know? Well, they've been very cautious, and uh, they, they certainly uh, uh, have been uh, uh, favoring the donors. The donors, a lot of the donors that have been speaking up. I mean, these people are donating multi-millions of dollars right. to Harvard and other universities. They're very wealthy people. A lot of them are Jewish, and a lot of them don't like uh, the um, uh, school putting up with uh, people protesting against Israel. I mean, that's just the fact. And uh, so it's come out publicly that these uh, donors are going to pull their money away from the school. And you're talking about multi-millions of dollars right. um, unless they do something. So these schools are cracking down on the anti, mm. uh, uh, Bombing, uh, yeah. you know, anti-Israel uh, activity, the uh, anti-bombing, anti-destruction uh, uh, of Gaza Um you know, had this would this be the Vietnam War or anything else, you would not have had that. I, I lived through that period too. I was one of the protesters out there, and uh, uh, and it, it, it never had all these uh, donors coming up saying, "If you uh, protest yeah. against Vietnam, we're going to pull the money." I mean, most of the donors were in favor of the protesters. So that's true. So this is completely opposite, and uh, it's very destructive because these people are. Are, uh, ru- are attempting to, and in some cases are, ruining uh, the name and reputation of very honorable students. Really? And, you know, as someone said to me, you know, if any other country were doing what the state of Israel is doing, you know, it'd be very different. But because the Israeli government can use the charge of anti-Semitism. It's like they feel like, well, we can get away with anything. We can break all kinds of international laws, which they have done for a very long time with regard to settlements and so many things. As long as we say, well, if you criticize us, you're anti-Semitic. This is this puts a lot of people, honorable people, as you say, in a tough, tough position. And if well, you, that's what happens yeah. when you use a religious flag as your right. flag of the country and you call yourself the Jewish state. Um, you know, it's interesting. They only, uh, I mean, you hear that phrase a lot when things right. are going good or something good is happening. Uh, you haven't heard that phrase very, uh, very much with the bombing of Gaza. It's been Israel. It hasn't been the Jewish state. So, so it, the the point is, if you wrap yourself in a religious flag, you you uh, uh, you can go out there and accuse somebody of being anti that religion when, in fact, you're anti the the uh, the government, not the religion. And as a protester against the war, America's war in Vietnam, I was not, of course, against the United States. I was against that particular policy. You know, there really, obviously really is a big difference. And for those who may have just tuned in, Bert Cohen here, the show is Keeping Democracy Alive. Our guest today is James Banford, who's written a piece in The Nation magazine, which I hope everybody reads. It's titled, Israel is Making War on American student activists. And how do you feel about that, dear listener? And I will tell you, I've been involved in politics for a while. In 2004, 
uh, as a state senator, I was running for U.S. Senate from New Hampshire. I didn't win. As part of that effort, I went to Washington in the hopes of gathering support from various lobbying groups. Some were supportive, others not. When I went to APAC's headquarters, the American-Israeli Public Affairs Committee headquarters, I was amazed at the level of security. After passing through many checkpoints where I met with the representative, here was this office with glass all around so that there was always somebody looking. Of course, I got no support from them, but it was then that it occurred to me that anybody need, that needs that much security is probably doing something wrong. APAC is the Israel lobby, and they've long been perhaps the most powerful lobby in Washington. Tell us, please, what, if any, is the role of APAC in this spying on American students? Well, uh, it's interesting. The uh, organization that does a lot of the spying is a very little known organization called Israel On Campus uh, uh, Coalition, ICC. And uh, it has direct connections to the Israeli intelligence. Um, this is all uncovered during a uh, undercover investigation of the uh, organization. And um, the, the two leading uh, people in the organization are former APAC people. Um, so APAC has an enormously powerful uh, voice when it comes to um, action against protesters, uh, uh, pro-Palestinian protesters, mm. and so forth. It, most of it is very secret. And the problem is that the FBI refuses to... Uh, to look into this and has never uh, 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 revealed what, what kind of connections that the uh, APAC has or whether it, what connections it might have to organizations like this. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it's up to the uh, private individuals basically to conduct undercover investigations since the, since the FBI is not doing it. Now, I'm curious about the FBI and why they're not doing it. I believe there's a law requiring the registration of all foreign agents operating in the U.S. Um, well, let's start. Before we get to why the FBI is not doing anything about it, what is that law first? What's what's the... Well, yeah. There's basically two laws. One of them is uh, Foreign Agents uh, Registration Act, uh, which if you're working for a foreign company... Um, uh, and then you're you're representing that foreign uh, that foreign company over here. Uh, uh -huh. Got to register um, as an agent of that foreign entity. Um, and then there's another one. It's more serious. It's uh, I think it's 18 U.S.C. 951, uh, and that's an agent of a foreign government. Uh, and that's if you were working directly for the foreign government as a clandestine agent. Um, you're supposed to register. Well, obviously, most clandestine agents don't register. <laughs> so, uh, um, uh, so that's the, that's the problem. Um, you have these direct links uh, between the Israeli government, and Israeli intelligence organizations, and organizations like ICC, the Israeli uh, On-Campus Coalition, which is uh, uh, made up of Americans. And uh, in this undercover investigation, it came out, the head of the organization uh, said, oh, yeah, we, um, uh, we share information with the Israeli uh, 
uh, Ministry for for uh, uh, National Security Affairs and so forth. So um, there's a great deal of interconnection. They collect information on students. They pass it on to the Israelis. Um, and then the Israelis hire Americans, um, uh, largely uh Americans who have worked for APAC, uh, mm-hmm. basically as spies, they go to work for the Israeli embassy in Washington, and then they spy on students. Again, this came out from the undercover investigation. One of the Israeli embassy employees, an American, a woman, um, uh, told the undercover investigation uh, or undercover investigator that uh, <clears throat> she used to work undercover basically for APAC going on college campuses as a recruiter, basically. Um, and then she got hired by the Israeli government, put to work in the, uh, in the Israeli embassy, and uh, her job was to spy on uh, 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 pro-Palestinian students and then to pass that information on to the intelligence organizations in, um, in Israel. So you've got this enormous amount, and, I, you know, I'm just a, a journalist uh uh who knows what's out there that has not been uncovered so far true uh so um those are the things that uh uh you know that, that's what we're paying taxes for the fbi to investigate mm. you know they're investigating the um mayor of new york for for uh connections to um uh turkey is it turkey it, um yeah, I think it was Turkey, and and uh, yeah, to Turkey, and then they're investigating uh, the senator from New Jersey, Menendez, uh, oh, right. uh, for uh, connections to uh, the the uh, Egyptian government. Oh, right. Well, why are there no investigations into people with connections into the Israeli government? Absolutely you know? amazing. Absolutely amazing. If, again, yeah, if any other country did that, of course, you know. They would have the these agents would have to register, uh, but if, as you say, they're clandestine, and uh, you know we try to to catch the bad guys, you know the old uh, Russians and Chinese, but there's as you say there's little likelihood of interference from the FBI. They're well trained to look the other way when it comes to Israel. How the well, I've interviewed a number of FBI agents, and they you know they're very angry to the fact that they. They know this is going on. I mean, that's their job. These are the FBI counterintelligence agents. And, uh, um, you know, obviously they, they know it's going on. I've written about it. Other people have written about it. And uh, uh, their, their response when they bring it up to uh, the uh, uh, senior management right. of the FBI is, is basically just to ignore it. And, uh, and I've interviewed the, the heads of the the uh, counterintelligence divisions at the FBI, and they basically are very frustrated because they take a, a number of these cases and they turn them over to the Justice Department. And then mm-hmm. I ask them what happens then, and they say nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, the, the the last thing that any politician wants is to have uh, uh, be responsible for a, a scandal involving Israel. Uh, because you know that uh, your opponent is going to get millions of dollars and uh, you're probably going to lose the next election, whether you're going for the White House or the Congress or Senate or House or, or, or whatever. Um, they, you know, they, they're very 
uh, forceful in terms of pouring money into opponents of people who either vote against Israel or, uh, uh, you know, press for charges against Israel. So, so that's the, uh, the the detriment you're going up against is that uh, you have people with with a, a lot of vested interest in in keeping uh, anything involving Israel quiet, and they have a, at the same time they have a lot of money and a lot of political power. It is, you know, I can imagine there may be, I mean, there's 435 members of Congress. There must, I mean, there's there's the squad, but there's, and they get hammered uh, for, for criticizing policies, you know, retributive policies of, of Israel. And uh, they, one can imagine the fear, the fear that members of Congress, I mean, what's their number one goal? Getting reelected. Every one of them, and so there's that fear of the powerful APAC, and again, as you say, coming out of APAC was the ICC, the Israel on Campus Coalition. Are they are they civilian or military? Talk about the ICC and Jacob Baim, Baimi, B A I M E. He's the CEO of the Israel on Campus Coalition. What, what, what have we learned from him about their budget and how they've ramped up in recent uh, years? Probably months, actually. Yeah, the, um, it's a civilian organization. It's made up of Americans uh, who are, are pro-Israel, uh, uh, and um, they keep it very, very secret. Um, uh, they uh, told the undercover uh uh, agent that went in there doing this uh, investigation that um, uh, they have uh, I think it was nine million dollars worth of uh, or they said they have millions of dollars worth of uh, budget and it's now up to nine million dollars they had uh, high technology to eavesdrop basically or, or listen to uh, and read um, hundreds of thousands of uh, of Chat, chat groups and so forth are all looking for any indication of anybody who's uh, saying anything uh, harsh about the um, state of Israel. So uh, uh, the undercover investigator uh, was uh, uh, was Jewish. It was Tony Kleinfeld, and he did that in, in uh, 2016. Um, and that's what they said at the time, was that they were passing this information on to, um, uh, on to Israel. Uh, Jacob Blame, uh, for, for one, uh, told the undercover investigator that uh, we build up this massive national political campaign to crush them. He was talking about uh, people supporting Palestinian rights. Uh, so crushing them is one of their objectives. Um, and uh, he went on to say that the ICC was basically a, a clandestine military, uh, Israeli military uh, command, or it acted like one. Uh, he said, it's, he says, it's mo- this is his quote, it's, uh, quote, it's modeled on General Stanley McChrystal's counterinsurgency strategy in Iraq. We've copied some of that, uh, uh, we've copied a lot of that strategy that has worked very well for us. Um, and one of the pieces of that of this strategy is uh, uh, this in operations and intelligence brief. 
And then uh, uh, the head of the operations uh, was asked uh, where that goes, and uh, and uh, both the head of the organization and the uh, operations uh, chief said uh, uh, it goes to to Israel, it goes to the uh, Ministry of Strategic Affairs, uh, is one of the uh, people um, on the distribution list. So, so what it does is it spies on people who are on college campuses protesting the uh, uh, actions of Israel um, uh, against the Palestinians, collects that information, passes it on to the Israeli government, and then uh, they're free to do covert operations against these people. And, of course, there is that Mossad, which does covert operations, I assume part of the military, in the state of Israel, and they do some real nasty things. Uh, they've they've been very effective and you know highly uh, intelligent intelligence, uh, and they've done some real nasty things to to its opponents. This ICC, where do they're obviously connected, perhaps indirectly with with APEC. Tell us please about one Adam Milstein. Was he connected? to the notoriously pro-Trump casino billionaire Sheldon Adelson? And is there, you know, a suggestion of criminality here, this uh, Adam Milstein? Well, Adam Milstein uh, has a, a really rather notorious uh, uh, past. He was convicted of, uh, of tax evasion, spent time in prison, uh, but he's a multi-millionaire and he, uh, pours huge amounts of money into these uh, organizations that are uh, uh, anti-Palestinian uh, right. activists, um, including the ICC, and he's on the board of directors of the ICC. So he's a name that very few people have heard about, but right. behind right. the scenes, he's the person who pumps enormous amounts of money into uh, uh, ICC and other organizations uh, that are um, going uh, after the... Uh, um, the pro-Palestinian activist. So um, he's one of a number of people, and he was affiliated with uh, uh, Sheldon Adelson um, on another uh, operation or another activity, uh, an activity in which Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel, uh, uh, brought together secretly a group of Americans to basically act as a propaganda uh, front for the Israeli government. Mm. And uh, Adelson was in charge, and, and uh, Milstein was uh, sort of second in command of that organization or that uh, mm -hmm. uh, campaign. So all this stuff goes on sort of uh, sub rosa beneath, yeah. yeah. beneath the surface, and uh, you have to really dig to mm -hmm. find out about it. And once you do, no action's ever taken against any of this. Uh, so it's frustrating. I mean, why bother looking into it if nothing ever is going to be done about it. And the FBI, as you say, is, you know, specifically staying away from it and not dealing with it. They're, they're letting them go. And I can imagine there are some, you know, very uh, ethical FBI uh, agents who chafe at this, but, you know, what are they going to do? They're up against, uh, well, City Hall, as it were. T another name, uh, Hatem Bazian, Hatem Bazian, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Who was he, what happened to him, and what were the tools used? 
Well, um, there was, he's a, he was a lecturer. He may still be there at the University of California, Berkeley. And uh, he was one of the targets of this group called uh, uh, Psy Group. Psy Group uh, stands for Psychological Warfare uh, Group. Um, and it's a organization in Israel that has close ties to Mossad. And that was part of this um, uh, propaganda uh, sort of covert operation uh, activity that took place. Psy Group, uh, members of Psy Group came to the United States and they launched um, this uh, several years long uh, campaign against the pro-Palestinian demonstrators. Uh, one of them was uh, uh, Hatem Bazin, and he was, like I said, a, a, just a lecturer at the University of California, Berkeley, but he was also a leader in the pro-Palestinian movement. So one of the operations for Psy Group was having uh, an agent uh, make up these posters uh, with his face on it, and uh, and then under it, uh, uh, the, the words uh, he supports terror mm. and then they put flyers on his car and all the cars in his neighborhood oh, uh, again with his picture on it and uh the words he supports terror simply because he uh he he was uh, with a uh you know he's a lecturer at berkeley and was a, a member of the pro-palestinian uh, mm. uh group so um and and then they bragged about it in, in one of their reports saying we took care of uh uh, Bazin and uh, uh, he got the full attention and they made up a dossier on him and he was just one, one of many characters that they went after um, the the actual uh, was called uh, 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 Operation Butterfly or Project Butterfly and the the whole details of that came out but still, I mean, the, the actual uh, report um Psy Group's Operation Butterfly Report became public, and yet nothing was ever done to anybody because of that. And I wonder how his career as a lecturer was affected. Well, I'm sure it was derogatorily not, affected. Yeah. Anybody's, uh, uh, I mean, not just his career, is uh, standing in the neighborhood uh, oh, with his right. peers, uh, mm. you know, mm. And, and at the time when he went out to get into his car, uh, he had his uh, young daughter with him to take her to school. So she saw the posters and sort of affected not only his employment, but his neighborhood and his family. And he probably didn't have a uh, what some of the law enforcement people have is a mirror that can look underneath your car to see if there's any bombs there. But I bet he thought about that. If well, he... it, it, it certainly uh, makes you, if somebody secretly comes and, and uh, does these things to you and your car and all these mm. cars down the street, <clears throat> you, you never know what their next step is going to be. And that's one of the objectives is to create fear. Yes. The whole idea here is to create fear, embarrassment, and uh, harassment in order to force the person to give up what they're doing, which is uh, acting as a pro-Palestinian activist. The whole idea is to uh, not only get them to stop, but to show this is what happens no. when you become a pro-Palestinian activist. Uh, so if you're on the line and thinking about doing it, uh, you may have second thoughts if mm. you uh, don't want your uh, uh, reputation uh, 
you know, destroyed by some unknown force. No doubt about it. For those who may have just tuned in, we're talking about an article that our guest wrote in The Nation magazine, Israel is Making War on American Student Activists. Our guest is uh, author, best-selling author James Banford, who won, uh, was nominated for uh, a film and winner of the National Magazine Award for Reporting. Uh, he's got a book called Spyfall, Foreign Spies, Moles, Saboteurs, and the Collapse of Americans, America's Counterintelligence. Uh, and it's it's long been a goal of certain parts of the Israeli state, and it's a very uh, there's a zillion parties there. I don't know how they keep track of them all, but of the of the right wing to declare much disputed Jerusalem as the official capital, and the Palestinians have wanted to have it as their capital as well. Tell us about Netanyahu's government deployment of an agent to help the Trump campaign in 2016. What did they offer his campaign with regard to uh, Jerusalem? Well, it was a, it's an interesting story. I uh, came up with this information because the FBI, under Freedom of Information Act, uh, declassified uh, a number of documents. Key doc, uh, among the key documents was uh, a search warrant for uh, the phone records and uh uh, email, texts, and so forth for a, a suspected Israeli agent. <clears throat> and what the, uh, these documents showed, and they actually, actually quote the uh, 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 text between the Israeli agent and members of the Trump campaign. This is in 2016 when Trump was running for president. And what had happened, basically, is that Israel has a very sophisticated eavesdropping uh, organization, very similar to the National Security Agency, U.S. Mm -hmm. NSA. It's called Unit 8200. And uh, it does the same thing NSA does. It spies on foreign countries. It spies on uh, uh, countries uh, such as Russia. So uh, uh, what happened was they're spying on Russia uh, in the spring of 2016 and they discovered that Russia had had actually accessed um, the DNC Democratic National Committee uh, emails and, and also the uh, emails of Hillary Clinton and so they had all these emails the Russians and the Israelis discovered that and they wanted to pass that uh, a lot of those details and, and apparently some of the emails onto the uh, uh, Trump campaign to help them uh, because Netanyahu wanted Trump to win. But there was a uh, basically a quid pro quo. They would help the Trump campaign with some of this information uh, on the understanding that Trump would, um, if elected president, uh, move the or, or designate Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. In other words, move the uh, U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to to Jerusalem and thereby indicate that we believe that Jerusalem is the real capital of Israel, not Tel Aviv, which is what the uh, Israeli government for a very long time has, has wanted. Sure. And in the end, in September, uh, Netanyahu came to the United States, visited Trump up in his uh, New York uh, penthouse, and, and Trump came out with that statement saying, 
Uh, he will support, if elected, he would support a move of the uh, U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And in fact, that's what happened when he did become president. So all this went on was uh, there was a, uh, at the same time, the FBI was investigating Trump for his connections to uh, Russia, uh, which turned out there not being any during the whole Russia case investigation came up basically with nothing. It was the Israelis who were uh, uh, having secret uh, uh, connections to the Trump campaign. Mm. Yet nobody was ever prosecuted for that. Um, again, I mean, it, you know, it's an old story. Um, uh, and uh, there you have it. Uh, so uh, Israel interfered in the uh, presidential election um, in 2016 and uh, not only was nobody ever prosecuted, there was never any, uh, uh, well, there was an investigation, obviously, because the FBI collected all this, uh, uh -huh. uh, all this detail. Uh, the problem was there was never any prosecution and never any congressional investigation. And in the past, people, certain people have gotten in great trouble for allegedly getting America's nuclear secrets. You can think of a few people. Tell us about Arnon Mil Milchan, who is he and what role did he play toward Israel getting intelligence on America's nuclear capabilities? We don't like to share that uh, information generally. What, who would tell us about that guy, Arnon Mil Milchan? Well, that was another article <clears throat> I wrote about in um, for The Nation. And, and uh, it, it, <clears throat> he's somebody I've followed for quite a while. Uh, Arnon Milchan uh, is one of the, if not possibly the, top uh, movie producer in Hollywood. He's one of the top producers in Hollywood. He's had uh, over 100 uh, movies produced. And in looking at his background, he's an Israeli. He's not a U.S. citizen. He's a, an entirely an Israeli citizen. In his early career, he worked for Israeli intelligence as a liaison to the apartheid government in South Africa. And he was the key person for supplying South Africa with its uh, weapons of, that it used against the, the blacks who were rebelling against the apartheid government. Uh, Nelson Mandela, for example. So they got most of their weapons from Israel. Israel was their closest ally, oh, wow. apartheid government. And Milchan's job was to supply, was the key weapons supplier for the, uh, uh, from Israel to the um, apartheid government. They even supplied nuclear materials and when the apartheid government was developing nuclear weapons. So after that, he became uh, the top propagandist for the apartheid government, mm. uh, secretly. I mean, his name wasn't out there. It was hidden behind the scenes because <clears throat> he was working for Israeli intelligence. But he was the top propagandist. They would promote apartheid South Africa around the, around the world. It's such a great country. Yeah. And apartheid, no problem. And he came to the United States and he... He promoted a, uh, apartheid in the United, I mean, South African apartheid in the United States, yeah. including uh, including uh, in in Hollywood or in uh, in New York in uh, a play, for example. They, they had a play that got protested by the anti-South African sure. protesters yeah. because it was promoting apartheid. And then he went to Hollywood and became a Hollywood producer, and he became Israel's top nuclear spy in the United States. Wow. He set up a front company 
and uh, they would bypass a lot of the rules and, and send uh, a lot of the uh, nuclear materials to uh, uh, to Israel, including almost a thousand krytons. Those are the uh, detonators for nuclear weapons. Wow. Uh, and and uh, eventually the FBI discovered that. And they arrested the agent that was working for Milgen, and he was facing 106 years in prison. And he fled the country. Uh, he was an American. He hid out in Spain for about 16 years, and he came back, and he eventually was sent to prison. But nothing ever happened to Milgen because uh, there was a secret agreement worked out between, uh, I think it was the Reagan administration and uh, basically Benjamin Netanyahu, who was the second in command of the uh, Israeli embassy in Washington at the time. Great, so, great cast of characters here. Oh, my goodness. He's gone on to, to uh, I think the last estimate is he, he's earned uh, $4 billion. Uh, yeah, it's $4 billion he has now. And uh, again, all this was made basically by uh, no interference by the by the FBI. As a matter of fact, the, the, the movie that just came out that his company is one of the key producers on is uh, Killers of the Flower Moon uh-huh. oh, wow. uh, with uh, with uh, Robert De Niro. And Robert De Niro is a very old friend of uh, Milchen. And De Niro ad- admitted that he knew what M- Milchen was doing, but it didn't bother De Niro at all. <laughs> well, and De Niro uh, has been very outspoken about Donald Trump. I've, I've right. But, to say, but. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and, uh, those are the things when you lift up rocks, what you see under the rocks there. <laughs> so a lot of rock lifting going on here. And for those who may have just tuned in again, Bert Cohen here, the show is Keeping Democracy Alive. We're talking about Israel making war on American student activists. Our guest is the nation writer James Bamford. And as a Jewish American myself, and one who knows history reasonably well, of course, of course, I am sensitive to anti-Semitism. No one wants to be defamed. And now comes the fair-sounding, long-standing, generally reputable Anti-Defamation League. They have a pretty good reputation over the decades. What do they do, not just against genuine anti-Semitism, but for the Israeli state? This is stuff that's not known. Well, it basically operates as a propaganda arm for the Israeli government, um, it's been involved in scandals involving spying on Americans uh, going back to the 1990s. Um, and, uh, you know, it's got very close connections to Israel, obviously. Yeah. And, and, and uh, the ICC, the Israeli uh, uh, coalition uh, that we were earlier talking about, uh, Israeli on, on campus, uh, Israel on campus coalition. Um, they provide uh, material, you know, that basically it's basically a spying organization on uh, mm. Israeli campuses, and uh, they provide a lot of material to the uh, uh, ADL for its reports. Mm. Uh, so it's an organization that really uh, should come come clean in terms of its uh, its past and its current activities in terms of what is going on with uh, spying on students and so forth. They had to settle uh, out of court a, a, a major suit in the 1990s involving uh, uh, enormous amounts of spying um, oh, on, okay. 
on people in the United States, on Americans in the United States. So, um, but again, it, 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 you're not going to get the networks or uh, uh, newspapers media, yeah. to, to do that because they're, uh, they're largely immune from, uh, from criticism. Uh, and the, uh, the, the ADL, as among many other groups, apparently is intentionally conflating support for Israel with Judaism. The two are different entities. People need to recognize that. The, the intentional conflation of the two is very harmful. And, you know, I, ca I care about, you know, anti-Semitism is quite frankly frightening to me. And aside from my own support for Jewish Voice for Peace, many rabbis in America, from Reform all the way to ultra-Orthodox, are speaking out against the virtual carpet bombing of Gaza and the increase in Israeli violence in the West Bank. What do we know about Israeli propaganda and spying operation with regard to the Jewish Voice for Peace? Well, that was one of the key targets of both the... Uh... Uh, Israel on campus coalition and also uh, uh, for um, spies like the one I just mentioned uh, uh, that work for the uh, Americans that work for the Israeli embassy and spy on these uh, student groups. So um, those are the, the key targets, uh, uh, students for justice in Palestine and, and the other groups. So um, they're key targets because they're the, people who are uh, trying to tell the truth about what's going on in Israel, and that's the last thing they, uh, they really want. You know, it, the, the thing about anti-Semitism in Israel, um, it, like I said, Israel, you know, waves this flag with a religious symbol on it. I know. And, uh, but Israel, 20% of Israel is Muslim. Um, you know, it'd be a bit like uh, the United States saying we're, we're the white country or whatever. Um, you know, 12, 15 percent of the population is black. I mean, you know, you're a country. You're not a religion. Right. We're a country. We're not a, a race. Um, and uh, and people have got to understand that, that uh, uh, first of all, Israel is not all Jewish. 20 percent, one out of five people are, are uh, uh, Muslim who have less rights than uh, Israel. It's a very yes. racist Yes, yes, no question it is. There's the Jewish na national law, which passed, I think, in 2018, something like that, which which has basically Jewish supremacy. I mean, it's pretty blatant. Well, it's not basically. Uh, it, it is Jewish wow. supremacy. Uh, Unbelievable. You know, you've had uh, human rights, the three biggest uh, uh, human rights organizations uh, coming out, calling, uh, officially calling Israel or officially labeling Israel a uh, apartheid state, uh, um, yeah. uh, uh, Human Rights Watch, uh, um, Amnesty International, and Israel's own uh, human rights organization yeah. Uh, yeah. Have, have all uh, unanimously said that Israel is a uh, apartheid state, just like South Africa was an apartheid state. So um, the people here who are protesting against Israel are not protesting against a religion. They don't care what religion you are. Right. They're protesting against, against actions, the actions of an apartheid government. Yes, it's very, very hurtful on certain groups of people. It's, it's, this is not the Israel that uh, 
my parents' generation had in mind. Where does, here we are well into the 21st century, where does Facebook fit in all this? Well, Facebook uh, is used a lot by uh, for propaganda. Uh, obviously, they they uh, uh, one one area that uh, I wrote about in another article for the Nation uh, deals with a, a troll farm uh, that was set up in Israel. Um, a troll farm is basically a uh, 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 a series of apps uh, for a for a computer or for an iPhone, um, and then everybody is connected to this one uh, central sort of master switch, uh-huh. um, and and so the uh, is, Israeli government set up a uh, uh, a troll farm, whereby thousands of Americans uh, signed up for this app, this uh, um, app that basically turned them into uh, pro-Israeli trolls. Right. So what happened was that the uh, the the person who actually ran the troll farm would send out, who had connections to the Israeli intelligence, would send out messages to all the trolls in the United States, uh, thousands of them, and say, uh, you know, this person here is uh, is uh, or this group or this person is uh, saying you know nasty things about Israel or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, attack them on Facebook, or uh, you know, uh, send uh, uh-huh. uh, kind of the wild west messages uh, indicating you know messages on Facebook or other social media, um, uh, indicating that that person's wrong and that they're anti-Semitic or whatever, Jeez. and then they and then not show any connection to Israel. So making you know, in other words, making it look like. Um, these people are all Legit. independent and coming out rather than um, an organized uh, uh, pack, an organized troll farm um, uh, sent out from Israel. So uh, uh, it, it was called Act Ill, uh, A-C-T dot I-L. I-L is, you know, the, the uh-huh. abbreviation for Israel. And Act was the name of the... Uh, the program. So anybody who put that program on, I mean, you're, you will willfully put the program into your system and then you willfully take those uh, messages. Um, uh, and, you know, again, you're getting into this whole area area of, are you an agent of a foreign government? If a foreign government is telling you to send these messages out and you're talking about thousands of Americans. So uh, again, these are the things that need to be uh, looked into by the uh, by the FBI. Yeah. I mean, if you if you have a president with some uh, uh, moral turpitude, which we haven't had for a long time, yes. um, then uh, they'll take action. But if you don't, this is what's going to happen. They'll get away with doing it. Well, um, hoping for a great. They're afraid of they're afraid of losing an election if they uh, go against uh, well, real pro Israeli interests. Real quickly. Aside from hoping and working hard to uh, get a good president, what can people do that, you know, nobody wants to be intimidated. It's it's the fear is working. What are there effective methods for fighting back against this briefly? Well, um, I think the most effective uh, method is uh, 
is getting help from from uh, media, the networks or um, uh, newspapers or whatever, showing how this is going on. I think after the uh, there was negative publicity about this uh, activity uh, uh, after it was uh, discovered, uh, the truck at Harvard, for example. Um, and uh, and then they were able to find out that it was connected to accuracy in media and so forth. So once, uh, uh, you know, th- there are occasions when uh, the media is helpful and, and actually uh, exposes uh, the, the people behind this. Mm-hmm. Again, the Nation magazine has, yes. <laughs> has done this. Uh, you know, the, uh, uh, it's not just the Nation. The New Yorker magazine was the one originally exposed the whole thing about uh, uh, Cygroup and came out with the operational order for Cygroup, uh, the New Yorker magazine. But it was never picked up by uh, uh, by the rest of the mainstream media or by the uh, law enforcement. Mm. Well, this is an ongoing topic. It's tough stuff. And uh, speaking out, uh, free speech, freedom of speech is a treasured American value, and it's being threatened. Our guest has been uh, James Banford. He's written an article in uh, The Nation magazine, Israel's Making War on American Student Activists. His book, Spy Spy Fail, rather, Foreign Spies, Moles, Saboteurs, and the Collapse of America's Counterintelligence. Thank you so much for being with us today on Keeping Democracy Alive, and hopefully uh, we will keep democracy alive. Yeah, well, thank you, Bert. I really appreciate it, and I appreciate the hard work you're doing to put the message out there. We need a lot more people doing uh, your kind of work out there to get the message uh, across to to the public. Well, I may not be a student anymore, but if they're not keeping track of me, boy, I'm not doing my job. Thank you. Yeah, right. Well, great. Well, good talking to you, Bert. Thanks. Hello, baby. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we ain't, we ain't talking alone. Who's listening? Uh, but I don't really know. But you better tell the SIS to keep out of sight. Because I know they're taking pictures on the ultraviolet light. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, but, but these days, it's all secrecy, no privacy. Right now, somebody is listening to If you enjoyed that discussion, don't miss a single show. Subscribe. It's all free.
And if you find the information valuable, your friends probably do too. Please ask them to also subscribe. It's on Apple, Spotify, Progressive Radio Network, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and of course, the website, keepingdemocracyalive.com. Thanks very much.